0: Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm Claudia. And we are the Judgy Crime Girls. Coolest episode of all time. Yeah. We are really excited to bring you Criminal Currents, which are all water cases that we're bringing you this summer. Buckle up because I am taking you overseas. We are all going to Finland oh, today. Yes. Yes. My favorite. This case, there are so many suspects, so pay close attention. Okay, pen and paper. I'm ready.
1: Uh, It sounds like I need to keep track of names.
0: There are four main people here that we're going to talk about and then several suspects as well. On June 4th, 1960, 18-year-old Niels Gustafsson was camping with friends in Espoo. They headed toward a popular campsite near Lake. Bodum. So funny. Okay, I'm very
1: familiar with this case.
0: They headed toward a very popular campsite near Lake Bodum, about 14 miles from Helsinki on their motorcycles. And the group included Zeppo Boisman, his girlfriend, Anya Maki, and Neil's girlfriend, Mila Bjorklund. I'm like, why are these 15-year-olds out why, with these 18-year-old. 18-year-old boys? But maybe that's different over there. I don't know. It is. It is? It is.
1: Well, uh, Europeans and Scandinavians in general, we're a little bit
0: of a different breed, Well, the teenagers pitched a single tent on the shore and began a night of hanging out and drinking. A single tent for all four of them kind of packed in there tight. But remember, they just took off on motorcycles. Right. Just kind of carefree and willing to rough it, which is something I have a hard time relating to. I would pack my entire car, all the necessities. Which for me would be
1: just strictly food. So my trunk would be full of coolers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mine would be tons of pillows and blankets. Mm-hmm. Because I'm always cold. Yeah. It doesn't matter what temperature it is. And then instant coffee, because there would be probably no coffee pot. That's true. Definitely coffee, for sure. Yes.
1: And pillows, I don't know if I would care, because I'm planning on being so drunk. Oh. <laughs> that I don't care where I sleep. <laughs> oh, that would probably be
0: good. If The more drunk, the better. When you're camping, that's what you do. And that's exactly what you They did. We know from Myla's journal that it was around midnight on the fifth day when the group settled down in their single tent. But they weren't down for long. She wrote at around 2 a.m. Niels and Seppo were drunk, and that Seppo was fishing. The next morning, two boys hiking through the campgrounds on a bird watching expedition noticed the tent from a distance. Now they weren't close enough to see many details, but it was clear that the canvas tent had collapsed. They also saw a man with blonde hair, who appeared to be walking away from the campsite. Mm -hmm. As campsites go, drunk people walking around the morning after, probably common. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and you have to kind of walk probably a little to the nearest tree, maybe to relieve yourself. Maybe they thought that's what he was doing.
0: So the boys just continue on thinking little of it. It wasn't until 11 a.m. that a horrific crime scene would be discovered by a local carpenter named Risto Siren. Risto called the police who arrived at the campsite around noon, but by then... The victims had been dead for more than six hours. Sometime between the hours of 4 and 6 a.m., it appeared the group was viciously stabbed and bludgeoned in their sleep. Anya and Sepo were found inside of the tent, but Maya, Neil's girlfriend, was found on top of the tent, naked from the waist down, lying next to him. Her body was in the worst state of the victims and had clearly been stabbed even after her death. Only Niels had survived whatever assault had taken place, and he was left with a concussion, a fractured jaw, and several broken facial bones. He suffered similar head injuries as his friends, cerebral fluid was leaking from his nose, and there was a gash on his cheek so wide and deep that his teeth showed through it. When Finnish police arrived at the crime scene, Niels was in terrible shape, and he told them he couldn't remember anything other than a dark figure with red eyes attacking them, and he seemed to be in a state of shock. Niels was taken to a hospital where he had to spend a few weeks recovering covering And it was thought he had suffered a potential brain injury because his memory was so foggy. Yeah. Well, trauma. Trauma. This is why we don't camp. (laughs) I know. The crime scene was a confusing one. Instead of entering the tent and stabbing the teenagers from the inside, it seemed as though the predator had attacked them blindly from the outside. And he or she had clearly used a knife to stab the victims, but their bodies showed evidence of a Another weapon, an unidentified blunt object. No weapons were ever found. Wow. So it was crazy because the motorcycles were still there, but the keys were missing. Yeah,
1: weird.
0: Sapo's leather jacket and their wallets were gone. Neil's shoes were also thought to be lost until investigators found them semi-hidden, roughly a half mile from the campsite. Investigators made their own jobs harder by failing to secure the area completely and invited search parties to look for clues. Assistance meant the crime scene was disturbed and made evaluations for footprints or any other evidence so difficult. It's just like with anything else. When you ask for help, it's just easier to do it yourself. yourself. Yes. Two
1: of the kids were inside the tent, right? Which means they were stabbed through the
0: tent from the outside, right? Yes. Okay. Neil's girlfriend, she was on top, and it's uncertain whether she tried to climb out. There were defensive wounds on her arms. Mm-hmm. So it was just crazy how Neil's could not remember anything. Well, investigators actually tried hypnosis with him. He offered a description of the killer used to create a series of composite sketches. At one of the victim's funerals, a man who looked exactly like the sketch was spotted in the crowd, but unfortunately he was never identified. Mm,
1: That is creepy.
0: So this is kind of crazy. Police searched the forest and set up road checkpoints. And while they didn't find the killer, they did find 88 wanted persons that were just hiding in the woods.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) Wow. It it was a successful day
0: after all, I guess. That's where they're all hiding. 4,000 people were interviewed. Their very first suspect was Carl... Gilstrom, who ran a kiosk business on the campgrounds and was known to be an extremely irate man who often had issues with campers, usually due to noise complaints. He was kind of the campground Karen. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was just not a nice person. Kiosk man is what they called him.
1: Back home, uh, a kiosk is like a small little building or a small street. Store Where we would get our popsicles, drinks, cigarettes, could get beer at the kiosk. So it's just a small little store.
0: Well, he was the kiosk man and he was known to cut tent, tent stakes out of spite and throw rocks at visitors. If he was in a bad mood. What a shithead. I know. Many people believe that Carl just simply snapped and assaulted the teenagers that night. Some even said that they saw him leave the murder scene, but they were too afraid of him to come forward. Carl allegedly made several confessions in which he displayed knowledge of the crime scene while drunk and sober. On one occasion, he told neighbors he was the murderer and he had stashed the evidence in his well. He later had the structure filled in. Mm And though police investigated his property, they found no evidence tying him to the crimes. The theory gained even more credibility when Carl died by suicide nine years after the murders. Supposedly, before dying, he confessed once more. But police declared that he could not have committed the crime because, according to his wife, he had been in bed with her the night of the attack. But years later, his wife changed her story, claiming she believed he actually was the murderer.
1: Oh, no. Can you imagine? Why would you cover for him? Well, why would you cover, but why wasn't he arrested?
0: Looks like they checked into it. I mean, they investigated his property... I don't know. I think he he did it. But we'll move on. So months and years would pass and police were unable to retrieve any more additional clues from Nils. The case was so sensational it became common knowledge among residents of Finland and everyone knew of the Lake Bodum killings and how the authorities were unable to locate the perpetrator. Children were cautioned to not be out after dark in case the killer was still lurking. The second suspect remained of interest Until 2004, and his name was Hans Assman. Assman, Assman, and he was rumored to be a former spy living near the shores of Lake Bodom. And over the years, he earned a reputation of being a recluse. There were rumors of him suspected of being involved in several murders, but none of the accusations stuck. When you're known as a spy, I'm sure you probably are. But really, was he a
1: spy? Or did people just assume he was because he was hiding in his little cabin in the woods?
0: I don't know if that's where
1: he was hiding. I'm just saying. He was a recluse. He was. Hans
0: went into Helsinki Surgical Hospital the day after the attack with fingernails black with dirt and his clothes covered in red stains. Hospital staff reported that Hans was nervous and aggressive but other than brief questioning the police did not pursue him any further and said that he had a solid alibi well where's the what what are the red stains were they looked into it was never investigated despite doctors insisting that it was blood Ugh. his clothing matched the description of the suspect who was seen leaving the crime scene the morning of the murders by the boys oh. And when the suspect's description was released to the local papers, Hans cut his hair to lessen the resemblance. The boys, they were like the blonde-headed man, and Hans had blonde hair. Mm-hmm. For decades, the Lake Boda mystery sat unsolved. Finland, at the time, had a single forensics lab serving the entire country. <laughs> no one, it seemed, could be placed at the scene. No one other than the man who managed to come out alive. The Lake Boda murders weren't revisited until 2004, when a fresh look at Neil's shoes became the focal point. That were found? Yes, that were kind of... Yeah, further away. Forensic scientists at the country's National Bureau of Investigation Crime Lab tested the shoes and found blood from the victims. Remarkably, not a single drop of Neil's blood was found on the shoes. How could he have been attacked along with the others and have no DNA to show on the shoes? Mm -hmm. The explanation authorities believed was that he committed the attacks himself and then discarded his shoes before somehow assaulting himself to make it look like he had also been attacked. 44 years after the murders in March of 2004, an arrest was finally made. And this time, the sole survivor that everyone had felt so sorry for Took the stand. (gasps) Police claimed to have suspected him all along. Never. (laughs) They did not. (laughs) Police theorized that Niels could have been compelled to murder the three because of jealousy. Someone who was staying at a nearby campsite the evening of the murders testified in court that she saw Niels and Seppo loudly arguing and that Niels appeared to be drunk. Investigators speculated that Mila had rejected his advances. Or maybe Niels believed Seppo was making a pass at her. Mm-hmm. And that would explain why she had been stabbed and hit more frequently than the others. Mm -hmm. The police believed Niels had been asked to leave the tent, possibly after a fist fight with Seppo, explaining the fractured jaw. Mm -hmm. He returned in a rage and went swinging with a knife through the tent until his friends were dead. He inflicted the rest of the superficial stab wounds on himself, tried to hide his shoes, and staged the rest of the crime scene and then laid there with his dead friends in the hopes of looking innocent. The district prosecutor in Espoo had enough faith in the story to bring charges against Niels with the potential for life in prison if he was convicted. But he clung to his innocence, and his lawyer argued that if they had gotten in a fight, Niels would have been too injured to viciously murder his friends, let alone walk more than half a mile round trip to hide his shoes. Mm -hmm. Neal's blood was in the tent. His attorney also criticized the eyewitness testimony of the camper, who had stayed silent about the fight she had witnessed 45 years ago, kept it to herself, and couldn't remember any key details. During the 2005 trial, a police officer claimed that Neal's was candid after his arrest and said, what's done is done, predicting he'd get 15 years for the crime. But Neal's rejected that and stuck to the same story he'd been telling for decades. He couldn't remember anything other than going fishing with Seppo and that there was no argument. The court ultimately found that there was insufficient evidence to convict Niels, citing that too much time had passed. And on October 7th, 2005, he was exonerated of the crimes and awarded 44,900 euros in damages for psychological trauma caused by the trial.
1: Unbelievable.
0: With nearly 60 years since the Dark Lake Bodum murders. No answers have surfaced. The crime is still part of Finnish folklore. One heavy metal band called themselves the Children of Bodum, and it was inspired by this murder. Some in Finland believe that Nell's claiming he didn't remember anything is kind of like a confession. If you didn't remember it, how do you know you didn't do it? Right. Another question is why his shoes were left so far from the campsite. If he took them off to sleep, why not place them near? Near the tent. And who was the blonde man that the boys saw walking away from what they later learned was the scene of the crime? I could not find the color of Neil's hair. Um. But if he somehow worked up the nerve to stab himself in a staged attack, why wasn't there a blood trail leading to wherever he hid the knife? True. The Lake Bodum murders remain to be Finland's most horrifying and longest unsolved crime to date.
1: Isn't that crazy? I mean, I would say Niels didn't have blonde hair by this picture when he was on trial. And I saw that picture too. You know, but Kits' hair changes? Right. Or maybe it was frosted back then?
0: We're talking 45 years ago. So his hair could have been
1: lighter. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: For sure, Hans was
1: blonde. Yeah, because he quickly cut his hair. He did. He did. Where are
0: their wallets? Why were those taken? Right. Why were the keys taken? If this was, in fact, a robbery, then why wouldn't you take the motorcycle? Like, if you took the keys, why wouldn't you take the motorcycle? Right. Or just
1: to make sure, because motorcycles are loud, and maybe they just took the keys to make sure... Nobody will be able to leave, maybe.
0: That's smart. The wallets make it seem like a robbery. Even if Niels killed them and wanted to stage it like it looked like a robbery, mm-hmm. where did he put those wallets? Right. Like, what did he do with the keys? Where is that murder weapon? And how did he get back and lay there blood everywhere.
1: Right. How how did he hide it? Good question. I don't necessarily think he killed them. I mean, if my friends and I were brutally stabbed in the tent, I'm sure that we're all scrambling maybe to get out. Mm -hmm. And it's traumatic. And maybe he really, really didn't remember the brain works in mysterious ways. And I'm not saying they didn't have a fight because Myla wrote in her journal that they were drinking and maybe they did get loud and argue, but I think somebody killed them Took the keys to make sure they couldn't go anywhere and the wallets to maybe delay identification.
0: The killer was wearing Neil's shoes. Was it a setup? Why would you go out of your way to put on somebody else's shoes and then hide the shoes? So yours couldn't be
1: identified. But then again, there were so many people that trampled all over right. you know, that
0: crime scene. Seeing the footprints of where those shoes went. Mm-hmm. Probably would have been nice. Yeah. Could have been helpful.
1: Right. Well, this will probably forever be a mystery. Yeah. And we would love to
0: hear your thoughts on it. Who do you think did it? I want to think Niels did it, but at the same time, it's like, did he? I don't know.
1: Well, he was injured pretty badly. I mean, it was one guy killing three people, which is kind of hard to believe that he couldn't be overtaken. And maybe somebody kicked him in the face while he was stabbing them. I mean, there was probably a lot going on inside that little tent. Yeah. If he did it.
0: A couple of things immediately made me think it was Niels. Number one, he knows these people. He's friends with them. It would probably be easier for him to kill them without seeing their faces. Sure. His girlfriend, she was more viciously murdered, like it was a crime of passion. And that's somebody he cared for more deeply than the others. You know, it's just odd that his girlfriend would be the one that got the worst of it. Yeah. To me, it's like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. him for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of passion and hate in that moment it happened in 1960 so that's Two thousand twenty, over sixty years ago. Surely they
0: have more than one lab right now. Well, I don't probably
1: know. by now. But I, I even though Finland is a semi big country, there are not a lot of people living in. You know, remember we talked about Sweden uh, a couple weeks ago, and that two thirds of the country is covered by forest. Population is not big.
0: No, but it cracked me up that so many most <laughs> wanted people were hiding.
1: Eighty eight. Yes. Eighty eight hiding in the woods in the forest. I mean that is unbelievable. They probably didn't even have space for them in prison.
0: <laughs> if you were wanted,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where would you go? You, you would go-, go to camp. Yeah, yeah, in the forest. I would. That's probably the only reason
1: I would go. <laughs> you know, if you look at pictures of Lake Bodom, it's, it's beautiful. It's actually a really beautiful area.
0: Stay away from
1: Lake Bodom. Yeah. And definitely let us know your thoughts on this. Your theory, if you have one, shoot us an email, send us a Facebook message,
0: Insta DM. judgycrimegirls at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much for listening. Definitely send us your ideas, as always. We would love to hear what you want to hear on the show. We would love to cover it. And as always, stay sassy. Stay judgy. And stay tuned in with the Judgy Crime Girls. Thank you for listening to Criminal Currents. You guys rock. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you. Bye. Why <laughs> do I, I always do this? I'm sorry. <laughs>